This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another Micah bursts onto the scene for City as the Blues wrap up the Champions League group stage with six wins from six. It's Thursday, the 14th of December. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Alex Michelle. And this is the City Reports Podcast. Here for Gundogan. It is a thrilling start for Manchester City. The fastest ever goal in an FA Cup final. 2023 is the City treble year. Champions of England, FA Cup winners, and now, at last, champions of Europe. Manchester City are kings of Europe. Now they have their triple crown. Speaking of newbies making an immediate impression, welcome back, Alex. It's becoming a regular and it's an absolute delight to have you back on the show. How are you doing? Thank you very much. Uh, I'm doing very well today, especially after that result. And yeah, I appreciate the kind words. The the tides have turned. That's two wins from two now. We've had you after um, a few batshit crazy games early on in your City Report podcasting tenure. But let's get straight into it then, because there are, as alluded to, a couple of um, fresh-faced City talents for us to... to the, the main talking points, let's face it, from that Red Star game. However, I do want to give Calvin Phillips some attention later on in the show. But um, I guess we have to start with Micah Hamilton, obviously making his senior debut interesting one this because I think at first when the team news dropped for me it felt like I'm not necessarily going to say token minutes because Andrew made a great point yesterday where he said you don't start a City game under Guardiola unless you are you know top draw and or at least worthy of it but it certainly felt like he was there because of injuries and absentees elsewhere however if you're going to make an impression that's the way to do it, isn't it? One of City's standout players. Um, argument for man of the match. Obviously, Oscar Bob got the UA for one, but I was really impressed with how we played. Same here. Yeah, I can't lie. I haven't been too familiar with him before today. Mm. I was a bit shocked to see that name come up, sort of as you were. I mean, I knew we would definitely have some cameos from the youngsters when we saw the, the traveling roster come out. But for him to start was... A decent shock. I mean, Alvarez and Foden as well getting getting a rest played a part in it. But yeah, I mean, what a what a performance he did, and especially that that finish, reminiscent of Aguero in many ways. I mean, yeah. you can't get much more city than that. And 
also just watching him do the sort of reactions post game. He just seems like mm. such a down to earth lad and he seems so nice. And yeah, I was really, really impressed with him today. I mean, first of all, that finish was incredibly composed. I thought just to sort of get it into that area and then just slide it home without much power. But I think the thing for me to pull out one specific sort of aspect of his play and something that was on display for that goal was when he did get the ball to his feet, he's very good at just sort of waiting for the defender to make a move, like make the first move and react to that rather than just trying to beat the defender straight up with raw pace and power or skill. And I think that's the sort of intelligence that we know and love from our academy. And that's the one word that I would always use to describe pretty much any player that comes up from the academy is intelligent. And I think that was the mm. that was the thing that really, really made me delightful from that performance today. I mean, what specifically did you see there too? Yeah, I totally agree. I think for me, the thing that sort of um, similar to you that, that really impressed was his bravery on the ball. And there is obviously on the opposite side, at least for the first half, a winger in Jack Grealish who has been criticised at times for being maybe a little bit too passive. And I think we'd all like to see Grealish bring that flair he had at Aston Villa. And oh my God, I'm doing the Grealish comparison again. I told <laughs> people off for doing that last week. <laughs> yes, I, I, yes, absolutely. I was going to bring that up. And almost, if um, if Nunes scored his goal, had another one as well. Um, but with Michael Hamilton, it was clear. And, and I think, you know, obviously he was a bit of an unknown coming into the team, but those that have watched him at youth level have seen him almost float between all, playing out at wide, but also uh, uh, sort of playing in this central position. So I think there maybe was a few eyebrows when he started out the game at right wing. And obviously Oscar Bob was, was the guy who was a little bit more centrally in the first half. But yeah, just, just so silky and, and, and so uh, just aware of his surroundings and a hostile environment that he was playing in. I don't think he'll, he'll probably, his first City game is probably the most hostile uh, atmosphere anyway. But yeah, like I said, just just happy to take on his man. Although Footmob details it as as zero out of five successful dribbles. So maybe that tells us a little bit about the sort of the way they, they judge that metric because it felt like every time he got the ball he was causing problems and, and there's something to be said about that. Um I, I wanna I wanna sort of switch over to another another youngster who caught the eye because like I said, we're gonna sort of in part two review the Champions League group stage as a whole in terms of the opponents and who City might get. So a bit of a whistle stop tour in terms of the Red Star game itself. But um Oscar Bob now He's had to wait for opportunities. I think I'm right in saying this is his second start of the season. Obviously played against Newcastle in that League Cup game where similarly it was a much rotated team. But that that, that goal, dear me, he, the, the one thing for me to sort of uh, speak about it, first of all, is how far he travels with the ball at his feet. And, and to, again, going back to what I said about Michael Hamilton, to have the bravery to do that in that environment, to say, you know what, I'm going to be the guy who actually takes it on the chin. I'm going to be the guy who gets the ball and, and runs at the defence. And the finish, I mean, the dribble itself was incredible, but to have the, the awareness of mind and the presence of mind to finish like that. Chef's kiss for that one, certainly. Yeah, I mean, it was a messy goal. I yeah, like, there's no yeah. other player that I can think of that you see score a goal like that. And one thing that I remember Pep saying earlier in the season when the attack was sort of overly reliant on Holland and some other players weren't necessarily taking the like sort of taking the stage to themselves as they could. And when Oscar Bob had a few cameos in a row, Pep said, you know, that's a player that has the ability to do that, who who is unafraid to, you know, take a shot on when he has other options. And just as you said, we saw it again with that goal. And 
you know, we've been talking a lot this season about, of course, with Riyad Mahrez and Cole Palmer both departing in the same summer, the lack of right wing options at the club. You know, Bernardo mm. Silva and Phil Foden being our two primary players there weren't necessarily right wings by trade, or you wouldn't pin them down as that being their primary position necessarily. But now we see Oscar Valve put in a performance like that, and it's like, well, do we really need Cole Palmer? Like, should we have been making all that noise about losing Cole Palmer? I'm not so sure. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting question. In, in fact, I wanted to pose it to you because I think the natural reaction, a little bit like when we see City Academy products go out on loan, it's almost the kiss of death in a way. It's sort of like a nail in the final nail in the coffin. Right? Okay, you're not going to be a City senior player, or at least until somebody. Apart from Zinchenko and obviously Zach Steffen, who are very different examples, I'm pretty sure in saying no player has gone out on loan from the City Academy and sort of, or at least a CFG purchase as well, and, and gone on to be part of the senior team. And it's a little bit like that with the with the youngsters in this sense, because I, I labelled it token minutes at the start. That you know, I, I don't mean that entirely as such, but more it was a, a case of them having to find eleven players to, to play the match. But do you think, particularly in the case of Mike Hamilton, because we've seen Oscar Bob play in the senior squad and it looks at least for now he's in the senior squad, but do you think Mike Hamilton has done enough to push himself into that conversation? Because I think a lot of people could probably see that Champions League goal, adding an extra 10, 15 million pound onto his inevitable transfer fee to, I don't know, Leicester City in, in a year or two's time. But do you think that's a, a, because we've not really seen it from Guardiola, but do you think this is potentially an option where he goes, yeah, you know what, he impressed me. He's going to get more opportunities in the first team. I think sadly, being a realistic, probably not. I mean, we saw Dere mm. Mabude go out on loan to, to Westerlo, what is it, uh, yeah. this past summer. And I don't know, I feel like I was joking with some friends earlier that I think someone sent a clip of Liam Delap into uh, into the chat and was like, <laughs> "Sadly, this is what's going to happen to yeah. to Hamilton." And I, I do think that's probably going to be the case. I mean, you just have to be so so special to be able to break through. Mm. And props to Oscar Bob in that sense because it seems like he is potentially on the trajectory mm. to do so. But with Micah Hamilton, you know, it's really really tough because. There's only 26 members of the squad, more or less, every single season, right around that figure. And you're playing in a position which City tend to typically find from elsewhere. You know, you don't typically Mm. have attackers, especially break into into the first team from the academy. So I think being realistic, the odds are stacked against him. I think he knows that. I think any City product who's coming up probably knows that. And from what I've seen, he is someone who sort of has his headset down on just becoming the best Micah Hamilton that he can be. And so I think in that sense, he has the mentality to do it. And I think the the sort of budding talent is there for the potential to, to do that. But being realistic, probably not. Yeah, I know. And, and it is a shame because I think, uh, well, it's not a shame because Guardiola is obviously the best thing, one of the best things to ever happen to this club. And, and, and the success is all, well, not all in part, but, pretty much all in part down to him. But I do feel like, you know, you look across to other clubs in the Premier League and you do see these little these little cameos for, for Academy products. Obviously, Kobe Mainu at Man United, uh, Miley at Newcastle, just two off the top of my head from recent weeks. And you're like, oh my God, it would be great for City to um, to have sort of these more often than not coming through. But it does, it, the standards are so high. The standards are so high. And that's sort of, that is testament to Guardiola. I have no doubt that if the production of this talent sort of comes in, um, 
um, continues when when we've uh, when Guardiola leaves, we'll start to see them more. But yeah, it's promising, and and, and if they go on to make a profit, then they've done the job. Um, Alex, another standout player for me. I thought he was. Uh, in terms of the first half, probably the best player on the pitch, Mateus Nunes, and uh, probably wrongly, and and this is a, another instruction to me to stay off Twitter as much as I do. But getting a fair bit of stick into what he's sort of like thirteenth day as a City player, obviously a bit of exaggeration there, but basically he's not been here long. But he was someone who I felt had something to prove against Red Star, probably along with Kovacic, the only player, and obviously the youngsters, but for a different reason, the the only players who had something on that game in terms of a reputation, in terms of putting in a performance to sort of prove to the manager they can be capable. But I was, I was really impressed with his energy. I think it was only two minutes and he does this bursting run. Dare we say Kevin De Bruyne-esque in terms of sort of going through the heart of that midfield. And, and whilst he is 25, so, you know, he is into sort of his peak years at the sort of start of that, um, that, that trage- trajectory, it does feel like he could be a promising player for City. And, and, and this performance, at least, was um, hopefully something that we'll get to see a bit more of. Yeah, for me, and as you say, he has caught some slack given his, you know, here and there start to life at City. But Mm. for me, I believe that he's going to be a superstar in a year's time. And the reason that I say that is sort of exactly what you brought up there, which is you see in about a minute and a half into the game, he takes the ball. He has a touch that goes, you know, pushes it about 10 to 15 yards in front of him. And then he just completely beats his man with that. And he travels probably, I think it was from midfield into the box and then plays it across and someone could have easily been there to finish it. And we would have all been saying, what an assist, maybe assist of the season at Mm. City. And for me, the, the thing here is at this level, at such an elite level for City, you want to target players who are at least, of course, they need to be well rounded, but the best players in the world and the players who are the most special are absolutely elite in you know, one single category at least. And Mateus Nunes, in terms of ball carrying, is about as good as you're going to find in the world. And you saw it exactly on display in that passage of play. And for me, we've seen, you know, with, with Doku coming in as well, with Vardial having certain qualities that are akin to this as well in defense, it seems like Pep is sort of shifting that focus into these ball carrying heavy players. And I don't think we've seen it quite yet because there has to be some transition period time, but I think Pep has some very, very special plans for him. And we know how how much Pep has lauded him even before he was at City. And for me, I just think that he has so many special qualities about him there, not just his ball carrying, also his temperament on the ball, his decision making. He likes to toy around with the opposition's players a lot. I think that adds a lot to the sort of arrogance that City have in midfield and the control we have over the game. But for me, I just think that he's so special in that regard that if you are able to craft a way where you can get the most out of him in in that sense time and time again consistently, who's going to stop him? There's really nothing Mm. you can do. And, you know, if you just think about him being able to draw three or four players to him by just carrying the ball, imagine what that opens up with players like Holland, Foden, Alvarez, Mm. De Bruyne around him. It's just, you know, I think the sky's the limit there. And yes, it's not going to happen immediately, but you know, the qualities there are just signs that he can be a very, very special player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think, was it Nottingham Forest? He got the assist for a Harlan goal, sort of a back post cross, sort of um, really nice run, sort of loops it towards the back 
that back post and, and typical Haaland header. So we have seen it. Don't get me wrong, we have seen it. And I, I, I annoyingly, I was I was racking my brain during the game, thinking whether or not I made the claim in a private group chat, or I said it on this podcast, and it was actually in a private group chat. But I said, I'm going to say it now, and I, and I promise you, I did say it before tonight's performance. Um, that Mateus Nunes come the end of the season could easily be a, a, a starter for City or at least have a major part to play because I, I, I can I, I saw it against Luton I thought he came on and did really well sort of just driving at players like we said you know there is this switch to ball carrying um, offensive players obviously Doc is the other one there but it, it just it, it, there's something there, man. There's absolutely something there, and, and I'm I'm like you, uh, confident that he can go on to have a very promising City career. Um, I, I don't think the same can be said about Calvin Phillips, though, Alex. And if ever if ever a celebration has been one of farewell, then it was that towards the City away end. At first, when I saw it, I, I wondered if there was a family member in there, or you know, he was pointing out a friend. But I think having seen it back and, and sort of seeing the way he reacted, it, it was very much a farewell. And you know, first of all, that it was lovely to see. I think it was Foden and perhaps Bernardo Silva who said, "You know what, you can take it." And I was, I was a bit shaky to be honest. I was a bit nervous for him because I thought, "Dear me, given the way his time at City's gone, he's going to miss a penalty, and he's going to be, he's going to be the meme of the month or whatever, or meme of the year." But, you know, first of all, you know, very, very competent penalty tucks it away. And that's possibly something positive for England going into the Euros in the summer. But I'm glad he gets to, obviously, he'll he'll probably play another match, albeit sort of cameo appearance from the bench for City before the January transfer window. And he could even win another trophy. Um, But I'm glad he got that moment to sign off in terms of, what has been a patchy sort of 18 months or so for City because it takes a lot for a player to endear themselves to a fan base whilst not playing any football and and I think Calvin Phillips has certainly done that I know people have the frustrations with him in terms of his ability to back up Rodri but yeah I thought he was it it was nice for him to have that moment at least certainly yeah I mean in a similar regard it could be a similar storyline to Michael Hamilton with yeah. th- this being potentially, you know, one of his only goals for a city. And mm. yeah, it is a bit sad, of course. I mean, we, as you said the other day, we, we've never really got the chance to see how good of a fit he could be in the side at his best. And, you know, he's never really been at his best at city. But I mean, yeah, at least he has that moment to look back on. And yes, there's, for me, uh, yes, it was nice, but also as a supporter sitting at home, it felt like a bit too much pity in a way, if that makes sense. <laughs> and it was kind of, yeah. I don't know. I don't know necessarily how to describe that feeling because it's somewhere in between, you know, heartfelt and you know, a bit like here, here you go. Mm. Like this is, this is all you really have to, to hang on to your time here. So yeah, it's a bit disappointing. I do hope he finds a really quality fit wherever he goes. I, I assume he's going to go out on loan in January before mm. he gets sold in the summer. I assume that's how the business is going to happen. I, I hope he finds the right fit because, you know, he's a lovely he's a lovely guy. And I think that's, you know, you can only wish him well. And yeah, mm. it, di- it didn't work out at City. But what can you do at this point almost is, is what, what you have to say because there's nothing you can change for the past year and a half. It's just that's what happened. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate business from City, uh, you know, a very rare mm. miss from uh, you know the, the transfer department and yeah not much else to say for me there 
Mm, yeah, it's a shame because I think there has been some revisionism around Calvin Phillips in terms of people looking back at the signing and going, oh, you know, the, the warning signs were there from the off. Well, it was it's kind of the opposite. It was England's best player in 2021, a season they got to the, or at least voted England's best player, season they got to the um, European Championships final. Obviously, he did wonderful things with Leeds, was a few fitness concerns, but for one reason or another, and, and I'll, I'll go back to it, I think there's plenty. I don't think it's a, a case of him not being good enough um I think it was evident against Red Star his confidence had been shot he gave the ball away a couple of times which has obviously been a constant feature of the the minutes he has played but it's just like he just looks forlorn and I really really hope he can he can go out on loan go out on a transfer whatever it may be and and get a smile back on his face because we've said it a lot but he's a lovely lad and, and that does count for something in the modern game um Alex anything else you want to pick up on that Red Star game before we break for part two I don't think there's much else Rico no, Lewis assists. He's, 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 yeah. he's yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. we've, we've said enough about Rico Lewis yeah. in the past anytime <laughs> he steps upgrade. on the pitch he's one of the best <laughs> players there's not much more to say there yeah that's just that's just the standard for him um, at the moment okay listen that'll do for part one join us in part two as we take a look at City's potential round of 16 opponents Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the City Reports podcast. Okay, straight into it. Here is the confirmed list of potential last 16 opponents. PSG. Inter Milan, Lazio, Napoli, FC Porto, PSV, Eindhoven, and FC Copenhagen. Um, Alex, if you are doing the UEFA draw, and as we know, City like to rig it, they get the warm balls out, they can um, handpick their favourite opponent. Who are you choosing as City's best case tie? And who would you pick for City's worst case tie from that list? I think a lot of people would probably say Copenhagen as the best case tie. I don't agree. I would probably put Lazio as my best case tie in all honesty, mostly because yeah. their attack is very poor, generally speaking. I don't think this season... Some might say it's immobile. <laughs> yeah, oh, great one there. Oh, Chiro Immobile. Um, for any, anyone not aware, obviously Chiro Immobile is Lazio's striker. No, I think especially with our, our recent woes being more so defensive than attack mind and, and of course the tie won't be until february when you know the city side will, will have different weaknesses and strengths compared mm. to where we are at right now but generally speaking you know scoring goals is not the issue for city and lazio's weakness is scoring goals themselves and so just ba- breaking it down to those basics you know it seems like a really good matchup in in my opinion and you know i think copenhagen would be the the team that a lot of people 
would look at. And some people will make jokes at, of course, with, with City sort of seemingly always getting our way with a draw, being like, oh, of course City are going to draw Copenhagen. But in each of their four games against both Manchester United and Bayern Munich, they are a very, very stout side. They are able to put in a very, very good performance in terms of sort of being the, the sort of Achilles heel of, of what City is uh, uh, up against in terms of being really compact and then choosing their moments to go out and attack. So just wanted to add that bit in there about Copenhagen. And then I think it probably has to be PSG. I mean, probably PSG, Inter, Napoli, I think are all sort of mm-hmm. right, right around the same level in terms of how they would match up against City. Of course, PSG, mostly because of Kylian Mbappe being, you know, just the global superstar that he is and the, the amount of uh, sort of threat that he offers individually speaking, not to mention how well-rounded their, their team is despite some speed bumps this season. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think you, you can never really have an easy tie when it comes to the Champions League round of 16. So I think whoever City get, we're going to have a handful in one way or another. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I totally subscribe to the Lazio point. I think that would probably, in terms of quality, be City's quote-unquote easy opponent, um, just to pick up on what you said. In terms of the goal scoring, they scored seven and conceded seven from their six games. So that is just over one goal a game in the group stage. So obviously, you'd expect City to outscore that if they were to keep up those metrics. Um, Copenhagen have really impressed me. And, and I think, you know, you look at Group F, which turned out to kind of live up live up to its name as a, as the group of death uh, Dortmund PSG AC Milan and the sleeping giants of European football as Jacob Murphy called them Newcastle United finishing bottom um but I think also quietly Group A has been a bit of a, a group of death. Obviously, Bayern Munich ran away with it. That, that's fair enough. But Copenhagen, Galatasaray, Manchester United, and, and this is much to United's dismay, but they're very free, evenly matched teams. And, and the games between each other all saw them draw points out of each other, which was, it made for great entertainment. And I, I totally know what you mean when you say, um, obviously, Copenhagen can cause City problems. PSG, obviously, are the main sort of threat, I think, if you're going to pick a team to avoid, it would be them. Inter Milan's interesting because they're flying in Serie A, absolute sort of scintillating football. And, and I said um, a couple of weeks ago now that I, I think they're probably the fourth best team in Europe, maybe fifth. Um, and, and I'd actually probably put Atletico Madrid in that conversation as well. Obviously, Bayern, Real Madrid, City, you're probably free in terms of their own bracket. Atleti, Arsenal, Inter Milan are, are for me the three below that. But they found themselves in pot two. And, and I, interestingly enough, I was at the game on Tuesday at San Siro when they played Real Sociedad, Real Sociedad finishing top, which is great for them. Um, but Inter Milan were pretty toothless in that game. And there was a couple of rotations. Latoro Martinez didn't come on until the second half. They didn't really create that many chances. Um, I think they had something like 33 possession at home against Real Sociedad. But obviously, we've played them before. They gave us a, a cracking game in Istanbul. And, and I think they've improved massively. So it'd be interesting one to watch. Um, just picking up the pieces there. Napoli. I'd, uh, they seem to have regressed, um, and, and fair enough. You know what they did last season was incredible, and, and this time last year, I think a lot of people were saying, "Oh my God, we've got to avoid Napoli in the Champions League knockout stages." Obviously, they topped their group last year, so it win a quarter final or a semi final or even a final. Obviously, they didn't make it that far, but they, they certainly seem like they can be got at. 
obviously losing to Union Berlin in the group stage. So, you know, drawing to Union Berlin um, in the group stage, one of the teams Union haven't lost to this season. So I think City will probably fancy the chances against them. And FC Porto, PSV, flip of the coin, really. Although PSV are flying in Eredivisie. So that, yeah, even that... And their home even form is pose, incredible too. I don't think yeah. they've lost at home for a long, long time. And they've got some really tasty players. I think Johan Bakayoko who's a player who might actually be going to the Premier League. And that's probably the issue with, with a team like PSV, the 15 from 15 in the Eredivisie. And, and, and January comes along, you would expect them to sort of get raided at least one or two players. So maybe that becomes an easier tie. But I, I think the general point, looking at the list of, of players uh, Team City could get, there isn't anybody there who you would with a sane mind, say, should be giving City a, a game that would lead to them getting knocked out across two legs, especially knowing the second leg's going to be at home. 100%, yeah. I think we both back City against almost any team in the world, of course. And, you know, uh, as you mentioned, Atletico Madrid, they're like, that's a team in particular to call out a team that I would not want to face in the round of 16. Yeah, they, so. are, they are playing so well. They are playing really well. Exactly. So, yeah, I think you look at this list and... There are certainly teams that you would favor, but there's not, in terms of City drawing them, but there's not a team that that you look at there and you really fear as a City supporter. Uh, yeah, let's round off today's show then quickly. Obviously, there'll be plenty of Champions League chat as the the year goes on, and sorry, the season goes on. We're nearly at the end of the year, um, and just looking at some of those teams who finished top of the group along with City, um, like you say, Atletico's in there, Borussia Dortmund, Barcelona, our our friends over in North London, Arsenal. Um, is there any team then? Obviously, City. I did mention it before. They went six from six in terms of the the Champions League group stage. First time ever doing that. Real Madrid also managed that but has there been any teams you're looking at going they are going to be City's biggest threat to taking the European crown off them um, or do you think that perhaps and obviously very early days who, who knows but City could go back to back in the competition that took them what felt like a lifetime well literally a lifetime to be able to win the first time yeah I think this year across the landscape of things there doesn't seem to be a super strong favorite, of course, aside mm. from City, some would argue, but it's it's a bit mixed this year. And, you know, I think there are probably four teams that I would label as favorites that I, I assume most people would agree with me, which is City, Arsenal, uh, Bayern Munich and Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can have Barcelona in as a fifth team there. But I think, you know, looking at the, of course, we know Arsenal very well. I don't think we, we need to touch on them. All too much, but Bayern Munich, of course, adding Harry Kane, they've had some periods, you know, they had a result against Frankfurt, I believe, last week, where they lost, what was it, 5-3 in the end? Mm-hmm. They've had some p- poor performances, and, and Tuchel hasn't necessarily been able to sort of put his, you know, stamp on things as officially as you would think in terms of being confident about them to win the Champions League, but... Nevertheless, they're still a Bayern Munich team that is what you think of a Bayern Munich team to be. They're, you know, they're just incredibly well-rounded. They've added Harry Kane this season, who just gives them another dimension. You know, Of course, Leroy Sané, sad to say, he's had this sort of remontada to his career, of course. Great for him, but sad to see because it's not at City. And they just seem to, to have a lot about them this season, as they typically do. And so... You know, come February, come March, come the spring, come the run-in, 
you would think that, you know, any small issues that they've been experiencing this season, they're sort of able to fortify those. And, you know, last season we were able to take them on. And I don't know, I think that'd be a team that I'd be really worried about. And then, of course, Real Madrid, anytime you, you have a Champions League run with them going into the knockouts, no matter who they have, they could have 11 no-names out there. Just the club being who they are, you would never put it past them to win the, win the Champions League. And I think Jude Bellingham, of course, them now having that that superstar who can sort of almost single-handedly take games into his own hand. When you get into a knockout stage format, a player like that is just so incredibly invaluable. You know, Erling Holland or Kevin De Bruyne, you could classify as that for us. And so th- that'd probably be the team that I would be most afraid of. Uh, specifically, if I had to pick one, would be Real Madrid, simply because of you know the, the history there, the, the venue. I mean, we overcame such a massive hurdle last season by going to the Bernabeu, getting one one, and then completely mm. outplaying them at home. But it seemed like you know that was just because it was City's year almost. And this season, at least right now, from where we stand, it doesn't necessarily feel that way. So. With a bit more of a subdued city side and, and with Real Madrid just being that that absolute monumental giant in, in, in this competition. And Jude Bellingham to top it all off, you know, you never you never would really bank on City to beat them or even put your odds on mm. them to beat them. Yeah, I, I I agree entirely. Um both Bayern Munich and Real Madrid for me anyway have got stronger from from last season. And and while you look at Real Madrid's it'll be interesting to see what they do in January actually, because they could really do it for centre forward. Obviously, Hosselu's got a couple of goals in recent weeks, but he is an ex Stoke City man, Hosselu, so it tells you a little bit to know about him. And speaking of ex ex Stoke City strikers, last season Bayern Munich started the the second leg of our game with them at the Allianz with Eric Chipomoting up front and who they added in. Harry Kane so they've certainly made improvements um I actually think City will play Real Madrid at some point in the Champions League be that knockouts or the final because I I think they are probably the two comfortably the best two teams in Europe and I think it'll be a little bit like last season where the winner of that tie wins the competition be that in the final or be that in the quarters the semis whatever it might be However, Bayern Munich are, uh, on the day are strong. And, and what do we know about Thomas Tuchel? Whilst he might be uh, at times a little bit of a crazy manager and his teams implode at, at the click of a finger, he is an incredible knockout tournament winning coach. We saw that with Chelsea. And, and you only need to harbour that sort of that feeling um, in the Champions League and, and you can go far. But other than that, Arsenal will be an interesting one. I, I still have doubts. It'll be interesting to see who they get in the draw because I still have doubts about their credentials in, in Europe because it's a long time since we've seen, well, we've never really seen this crop of players um, in the Champions League knockout stages. The only ones we really have are players they've signed from other teams. So it'll be interesting to see how they react. For example, if they get a PSG in the last 16, it could be the making, it could be the breaking of them. If they get past PSG, suddenly they're thinking, we'll bring on anyone. But easily, they could get done. Um, I guess we'll call it a day there. Like I said, the new year will bring about plenty more Champions League chat. We'll turn attention to Crystal Palace at the weekend. But Alex, it's been a wonderful conversation speaking all things Champions League. Thank you very much. Cheers. Yeah, thanks for having me as always. And listeners, thank you very much for listening. Until next time, which will be tomorrow. So stick around for that. We'll see you later. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. 
Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.